Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We are in the Christmas season. Full swing, huh? And some of you have already gotten all your gifts. And, and you're under wrapping. But that's not what the season's about. And, and this morning, we're going to begin. And, and I apologize, last week was the first Sunday of Advent. And the, the snowstorm really threw me off quite a bit last week. And so, as you notice, we have our uh, Advent banners. They're new this year up to remind us. But we're in the Advent season, um, which is the four weeks prior to Christmas. And uh, we're not a liturgical church. And so some uh, non-denominational churches like us don't celebrate Advent. But I like to to celebrate Advent each year because it prepares our hearts for Christmas. Not, and not the shopping part of it, not the opening presents and eggnog part, though, though we do those things. It prepares our hearts for what it's all about, and that's the story of Christ being born. Uh, each banner has different words on it. Hope, love, peace, and joy. It represents the four weeks prior to Christmas. And that's the, the weeks of Advent. And um, you know, I, I, I went on, uh, I, I go, uh, I went online, and it's really interesting. A lot of different churches and different, for different reasons, celebrate them in a different order, and sometimes they use different words. But these are the words that, uh, that we, we use here, and the order that we're doing them this year, and I don't think there's a particular order you have to do them, is last week would have been hope. And I want to talk a little bit about hope this morning, and then get into the next week, which is love. Um, we have our candles up here that we light every year. And each candle represents one of the words, hope, love, peace, and joy. And even for me, I, I go, you know, each word is special. Um, and they each have a special meaning. And I, I sometimes wonder, what should we do the week just before Christmas? Is it, is it peace because we're getting close to silent night and peace? Or is it joy? And I like to, to celebrate the very last Sunday right before Christmas morning as joy because it's the joy of his birth. Um, so last week, we have, we have candles up here. We would have lit the hope candle. And then this morning, we light the love candle. And it'll stay going. And I preach until the candles burn out. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> and these are, these are extra long-lasting candles, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, the, the season of, of Advent, of the Christmas season, is so important for us as believers. It gives us an opportunity to prepare our hearts. You know, today in the, in the church, we, we come, you know, remember Jesus was a Jew. He was Jewish, and the Jewish uh, faith had a lot of festivals that they celebrated and they honored. And as Christians, we've sometimes walked too far away from some of those festivals and feasts because they all had a significance. And I think it's important when we come close to uh, any of the, the Jewish holidays, um, I always try to talk about what it meant and, and why they celebrated them, and, and they still do to this day. But as, as Christians, and I want to say particularly as, as Protestant evangelical non-denominational Christians there's something that we've done sadly to our detriment I think in the churches that are tend to lean towards a non-denominational evangelical bent is that uh, I think we were afraid to have anything to do with anything that looked Catholic or anything that looked too formal uh, I grew up in, in an era that it was just like, you know, we were just wild by spirit. We just wanted to do everything just under the spirit. We didn't want to have any regulations and rules. And so often, what I, it seemed to me at least, is that, that uh, churches, churches even like ours would kind of not participate, not even look at any of those things because maybe they seemed too, you know, I'll say maybe Catholic or too, too liturgical and too stuffy or whatever the reason might have been. And we lost a lot of the value of, of what was happening as we do that. So it's important for me that as we come to Christmas to celebrate Advent. Otherwise, what will happen for most of us is we'll get sucked up into the commercialism of Christmas. Yeah, and, and it's really easy. I mean, it is, it is, it's a battle, isn't it? To, to not fall into it, especially when you have kids. Um, if you have kids, um, you know, it's, it's the wanting, wanting uh, presents and you wanting to bless your kids and to not fall into that. I, I love Christmas. I'm very sentimental. I love lights. I love eggnog. We have some traditions at the house that we do. Some of the traditions that we do really uh, in, in appearance have nothing to do with Christ, but they have everything to do with family and love. And so this morning we're talking a little bit about some of the symbolism of Christmas, um, but focusing back on uh, the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season, but specifically these four words will help us over the next few weeks left. Two and a half weeks, just in case you forgot. It's like really fast, really fast. Hope. I want to just share just real briefly um, about the word hope and why we celebrate hope for Advent. The hope that w was happening when Christ was born, he was born into a dark time in the Jewish history and in the, in the history of the world. Rome had been running everything. They were the world power of the time. And they had come in and, and conquered Israel sometime before a couple of hundred years before, and Israel was under the boot of Rome. And they were allowed to operate um, under Rome, so they, they, they were, had some autonomy. They were allowed to do certain things, but Rome was its ruler. And for the 400 years before Christ, the end of the Old Testament, if you, if you, uh, you know, took your Bible and you went to the, the book of Malachi, which is the Italian prophet, um, at the end of the Bible, 
Malachi. I'm just being a little silly. The end of end of Malachi, um, and and then you you kind of put your your thumbs in there. In fact, my Bible has this wonderful thing called called bridging the testaments. Um, at the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew, at the end of the Old Testament, there was 400 years of silence, is what we call it. Now that doesn't mean that the the Jews didn't exist during that time, but there was no revelation from God that was recorded. There was no prophetic voice of God for 400 years. This is the people who heard God and heard through the prophets of God forever. And and God would raise up people like you know Isaiah and Hezekiah and the prophets and Hosea, all the prophets who would speak to Israel and, and, and chastise and correct or encourage. But between the end of the Old Testament, for what's us, the Old Old Testament and the New Testament there was 400 years of silence and in that time it got very dark for Israel and they were waiting for their Messiah they had found themselves under the Babylonian rule and now they're under uh, Rome and they wanted to be a free people they wanted to worship God and in that dark oppressive time the in fact the even the Jewish leader ruler of Israel was Herod who was only Jewish by birth and he was Rome's puppet king and he was the head of of Israel and so he he the one thing he did do is he built he was the one who rebuilt the temple of God he was a master builder he built uh, a lot of things during that time and he did restore the temple so that the Jews had a place to go wouldn't last very long because in 70 AD it was completely destroyed burned so so much that the gold from the temple would ran out into the streets and filled the cracks of the streets and people would later try to come and get the gold so Herod the one thing he did do uh, that he, he restored the temple but it was selfish he just wanted to, to, to have that under his name and it it took a lot so we have a non technically Jewish leader of Israel you have Rome who's ruling the land and you have no voice from God no prophetic word from God and in that place is when Christ came and he came to bring hope and, and we know the story we'll talk more about uh, we tend to really focus on on this part at, at the time of Easter but we know that Jesus when he finally came he was born but when he lived his life he came into the world they wanted a king and he came to be a king of a different type they wanted somebody who would take them from the hand of Rome and deliver them and so that they could be a sovereign nation under God again so in this time is is we find the birth of Christ and Christ came to give us hope not hope in this world not not hope that things on this world is all going to be good though there's times that we're blessed and there's times that that we feel uh, we go through and struggle with difficult times but Christ came to bring us hope so when we talk about hope during Christmas what is that hope that hope is of heaven and that's the hope that that we celebrate this is the Advent season which means coming Advent means coming and Christ came it was the first Advent and some of you grew up and you know that and you go yeah I remember that from my catechisms and maybe Lutheran or Catholic whatever it was and that the Advent season that, that was the the coming of Christ well we believe in his second Advent he's coming again and Christmas reminds us that he came once but he's coming again and so our hope should rest 
in the fact that he's coming again. That, that we don't have to worry that, that this world, even when it's dark, and for us in this nation, I think it's getting gar- dark. It's getting spiritually dark. It's interesting I'm saying that the clouds must be coming over because did you notice it's getting a little darker? It's right now. And, and I'm looking out, it just feels dark, and it's kind of appropriate because we, we are living in a dark spiritual time. And we, ha- we hear different voices. Some voices are saying there's a revival coming to the United States and there's a revival coming to California. And praise the Lord if that happens, but it, may, it, it very well may not. And we may go into a darker time in the history of this country. This nation was founded on God and godly principles and where, where uh, people celebrated God together. Christmas, despite the rumors of, of what you've heard, which, which are true about being a pagan holiday, Christmas has been a Christian holiday for 1,600 years. I don't care how long the pagans had it, we win. Okay? You know, we honor Christ during this season. Everything about Christmas for me is Christian. Interesting. And it, is, it has been that way. Santa Claus has come, and, and over the years, things have risen up to try to take Christ out of Christmas. And there's people are still trying to do that and I believe it's not people it's the enemy Christmas is a Christian holiday it's to remind us we never want to let it grow to be go back to its roots of just a pagan or a non-Christian holiday we want to keep Christ in Christmas and I want to just here's a little side note some of you um, have been taught and and been led to believe that when you see Xmas that that's the world's attempt to take Christ out of Christmas that's actually not true the X in Xmas has been used for a couple of hundred years. X is the first letter in the name Christ. It's a Greek letter. And it stands for Christ. And whenever you see Xmas, it's been happening for 200 years. It actually does mean Christ. Um, and so, unfortunately, other people are trying to use that to take Christ out of it. But when you see the X, no. When, it's, when it first started happening, it was just easy to write X. It meant Christ. So when you say Xmas, we say, no, it's, it's Christ miss it's christ's mass if you've never connected it to say that christmas isn't a christian holiday is really funny christ's mass there it is it's very simple and we want to honor and celebrate that and 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 have the future hope in this dark time that that christ came once and he's coming again he's coming again church and 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 it needs to be something that's on our heart and our mind because the days uh, do grow cold and the days grow dark and this season reminds us of his of his coming and that there's hope for the future Um, there's been some uh, I've been poking back on Facebook a little bit recently and and there's been some wonderful things um, posts that are just very encouraging about about Christmas and I and I've seen a couple that says all I want for Christmas is for my friends and family to know Jesus. And I love that one. Now, I don't know if that's true because we might say, well, something big that I want for Chris is my friends and family, but I also want an iPad. But our biggest heart, our biggest desire should be that our friends and family know Christ during Christmas, any time of the year, so that they have hope too. This, this morning, we can look around the room and think about the, some people who, who aren't here and know that circumstances are really grave. There are some people battling um, with, with sickness. We have uh, many people in the church 
but we would need to be praying for people like Mona who's in the hospital still is she still in the hospital and uh, Mickey and Susie will probably have an, uh, is there any, any update or, or not really just kind of say okay okay uh, Mona who sits right over here usually with her husband Mike she's in a wheelchair um, went in for a pacemaker and then the uh, two days later after she the day she got home that night her blood pressure dropped and she had a heart attack and so she's back in the hospital um, we know that Felicia and Greg, um, you know, Greg is, you, you can't miss him. He's six foot eight, he's very slender. Um, he's stage four cancer. And he's been stage four cancer for about four years. He's been fighting. And, um, and he, it's, he's in the middle of the battle. He's, got, he's dizzy. You can relate with some dizziness there, can't you, Joel? He can't come to church right now because he's got some sim similar things, vertigo going on. And so he, he I, I went and visited him, him this week, and, and, um, and he'd like to be here. He's just kind of too weak and too, too dizzy. So we've, we've got dark things happening. We might have a prognosis. We have um, people in the church who, who are looking at uh, some really difficult times coming up. No matter your difficult time, Christmas is supposed to bring us hope. Not false joy. Not, not just false happiness. And, and it's, it's okay to have a day of happy things in the middle of, of trials. It's, that's not wrong. Like Christmas morning, if you have something wrong in your life, but you find joy opening presents, that's, that's wonderful. But beyond the happiness of that moment, we have hope for the future. And that hope, because of the love of God, who brings us peace, gives us joy. And so remember, let Christmas say, Christ came once, but that wasn't enough. He's coming again to take us home so that where he is, there we can be also. I, I want to share just a couple of uh, quick things before we get into just sharing a little bit about, about love this morning. Because um, uh, there are different beliefs, and, and it's okay if you don't celebrate Christmas. There's people who don't. There's nothing wrong with that, absolutely. Paul says, one person honors one day higher than the other, the other celebrates all days the same. And he was talking about back then the festivals and the feasts because the Gentiles were coming in and they weren't all celebrating all of the Jewish holidays. He says one celebrates one day, one, one doesn't, and that's okay. Um, within this church, there, there's people who probably say, we don't do anything for Christmas, that's okay. That, and that, that's what he goes on to say in I think it's Romans chapter 14. You know, but we're not going to condemn one another for celebrating or for not celebrating, for eating or for not eating. We're going we're gonna to do that. But if, if, you, if you do celebrate or if you have questions, um, and this is an encouragement for all of us that we could do this. Yes, this tree uh, 2,000 years ago might have meant some other things to some pagans. I mean, a lot of things used to mean other things. I don't know if you ever thought about our days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're all Roman gods. So we're going to say, I can't say it's Tuesday anymore because that was the god of Tig. And, I, that's, and sun, Sunday is actually sun, the day of the sun. Monday's the day of the moon. And then Tuesday, th Thursday, this is fun. We, this is the one name you'll recognize. Thursday is a recognition to Thor. <laughs> it was Thor's day. Isn't that cool? That's cool because of all the Greek, you know, we kind of like Thor. <laughs> Every day, our months, our months are all Greek gods and Roman influence. <laughs> what are you going to do? Don't say January anymore. You know, uh, August, 
was named for Caesar Augustus. September, October, November, and December. If you haven't quite figured this out, this is kind of fun. There's some history. Sept, seven. Oct, eight. Nov, nine. Dis, ten. And you go, but how come December is not the tenth month? It used to be. And, and September was the seventh month of the year. And, and they added two months. They actually added um, July for Julius Caesar and August for Augustus Caesar. They just added two months in there. Isn't that fun? So our months and our days are all pagan. Every one of them. <laughs> and Christmas, before it was called Christmas, was a pagan holiday. It was the winter solstice. And they would celebrate the newness of life, and then there would be some other things that went along. The evergreen tree was used pre-Christmas as a sign of life. So, so here, so yes, some of these things um, have significances to other people, and, and 1,700, uh, 1,700 years ago, they were used for something else. For me, the evergreen means eternal life. When I see the Christmas tree, I'm reminded that in Christ, we have eternal life. And the star that we put on things represents the star of Bethlehem that leads the wise men to find Christ. And it's the star that we can all look to to find Christ in everything. And the lights that we put on the trees, and this isn't, I didn't make any, this has been for, for centuries, this is what it's meant. The lights are little stars. As you look at them, you see the little stars that are reminding us of the star of Bethlehem. The colors of Christmas are great. What are they? Red and green. And then you could also throw in some, some shiny colors, which would be gold and silver. Red is the blood of Christ. When, you see, when I see red for Christmas, I go, represents the blood of Christ. In Spanish, Mario, si, no sé si es correcto, but a, a, the, um, oh, and I just lost the name of it in English. Uh, what's the little pl red plant? Poinsettia. Es un pascua, see? ¿sí? Pascua, which means Passover, see? ¿sí? In Spanish, the poinsettia is actually called the Passover flower. Isn't that cool? Is Christ in Christmas? He is for me. He's all over. The gifts under the tree. The wise men brought gifts to Christ. Gifts of silver and gold, incense and myrrh. So the presents should represent Christ's gift to us. And then as we freely have received, we freely give. We should love one another. We should give. Whatever other people look at and get lost in the commercialism of, of Christmas, let us, every time we see any part of Christmas, say, I, I'm going to see Christ in that. I'm going to see Christ. Even bells. Um, bells are, are an announcement. They would ring a bell to announce things. They still do the dinner bell. Um, in, in old town, I don't know if anyone grew up in a town that had, had, had church bells. Bells would go off. It was announcing something. It was time. In, in Antigua, when we lived in Antigua, um, you know, the bells would go off uh, at, you know, at different times and times for mass. And, and it's been, the bells for Christmas should announce Christ. And, and, and if we will f keep those things in a focus, it will help us focus on what's most important that it's Christ. 
I'm going to, it's my desire in the next couple weeks to get a whole bunch of candy canes and you can learn the candy cane story because it's a really exciting story. I'm going to leave you holding on for that one. Okay. So, my Christmas isn't pagan. My Christmas is a festival to Jesus. You know, go to the Feast of Lights, find Christ all over in Christmas. He came. And we've been celebrating Him, and we're going to continue to celebrate Him. We can push back on the commercialism. We don't want to get lost in, in the commercialism at all because it's really easy to do. I had a couple of... Where did that one go? Anyhow. So let's focus for the next two and a half weeks. Let's make this our festival of, of, of Christmas, of Christ. Remembering God sent his only son into a dark night 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. We know the story that there was no good place for him to be born. So he'd be born in a, in a manger, which was a place for the animals. He would live his 33 years, and then he would find death wrongfully accused. And over the next 2,000 years, Christ would be rejected time and time again. And by most of us in this room. Most of us in this room have rejected Christ at one time in our, our life for a time until we came to him. People have been killed in his name. His followers are still today killed because of his name. Kingdoms rise and fall. Chetri even entered the church. You know, I, I don't believe that the church has always done everything right. I think we've missed it. There's been a lot of things that, that, that the church has done wrong, trying to find Christ, but we want to keep coming back to him. Greed took over for centuries in the church and still happens today. And I know that none of us ever struggle with greed, ever. Nations have been divided against themselves. Think of Ireland in the name of Jesus. The Protestants and the Catholics. It's crazy. His chosen people were dispersed through the world. And yet through a tragedy and atrocity of the Holocaust, they came together to reform a nation. And I don't know if you've ever realized this, but without the Holocaust the nation of Israel wouldn't exist because it was the sympathy of the world on what had happened to the Jews that prompted us to give them their nation state back just a few years later. God never wastes any suffering. He never wastes a thing. It's amazing. This nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. There is no doubt Though there's people who are trying to tell you that it wasn't. And I, I don't even know what they're smoking. They're smoking something that's been legalized in too many places to, to say that this nation wasn't founded on Christ and on Judeo-Christian principles. Um, but un unfortunately, this nation is beginning to trade its ways for self. 
exchanging holiness for greediness. Self-sacrifice for self-indulgence. And, and that's becoming our legacy. It doesn't have to be ours, but it is becoming the, the legacy of the nation. And somewhere in this nation, you and I came into existence. A few of you came into it a few years ago. Some of us came in, some came in recently, and we are living today in a world where immorality and vice is everywhere, where human worth means so little to so many people. But you know, God saw all of this, and it was no surprise to God. He came and he died. The Father sent his son 2,000 years ago to die for us. 2,000 years later, when Christ died, he saw you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, sometimes, I don't know if it ever boggles your mind of how God can see everything and do everything and, 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 and know so many things. It really helped me understand a little bit when somebody uh, talks about computers. A computer can process how many billion lines of data at the same time. A computer can keep track of things happening in multiple places all at the exact same time, right? The NSA does, okay? So if man can build a computer that can monitor millions and millions of things at the same time, don't you think the God who created man can do it better? So if you're ever wondering, it's like, how did he, how did God know me when he died on the cross? Because he's God. But we've created things that can do amazing things, and we created that, and God created us. So yeah. So 2,000 years ago when Christ died, he saw you. Don, isn't that awesome? He saw you. So he made a sacrifice here on earth for us. But this morning, I want to just for the next 15 or so minutes, I want to talk about the sacrifice that was made before it was made here. Did you know there was a sacrifice that was made before Christ came and died for us? And it was in heaven. John 3.16, are you familiar with that one? We could sing it, we could say it in so many different ways. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his son. He sacrificed his son before he sacrificed him. He gave him Christ because he loved us. He sent his son to earth to live and to die because of his love for us. And this is the message we hear all the time. God is love. And, and we don't want it to ever grow cold. Love is the important message of Christmas because it's the love of God that sent Jesus to die for us. And, and if you read... If you read the, the Christmas story and, and, and Luke and the different places that it refers to parts of the Christmas story and the beginnings of Jesus, love is never mentioned. I went back and it's never mentioned. But when we look a little further and we see that God sent his son for love, that, that the Old Testament declares that I have loved you with an everlasting love declares the Lord. An everlasting love. I love you. The first part of Christmas this morning is to receive God's love. God loves you. I want to make sure I look at everyone. God loves you. God loves you with an everlasting love and you don't deserve it. 
just like the way your mom and dad hopefully loved you at times when you were a rascal. And you didn't deserve to be loved by them. You were, you were ornery. You were rebellious, whatever it was. And your mom and dad had this amazing gift to love you. And that was just a tiny glimpse of what God wanted us, us to see. God loves you. And Christmas is about receiving that. And for some of you right now, I want to just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this over and over again because you need to finally understand that God loves you. Some, some, there's a few people in this room this morning that thinks that God loves everyone else, but not really them. And they'll say things like, it's because I've really done some things that God can't forgive. And I know that God is love and he loves them, but he doesn't love me. And sadly, you probably feel that way because your parents did not, you did not feel loved by your parents either. God loves us. That means he loves me. So everyone repeat after me. God loves me. That might have been hard for you. And I'm going to pray that that does not remain difficult for you to say. That even if, if you tune out the rest of this message this morning and you just let God minister to you, God loves you. First John 4, 8, we also know this for verse, you know, God is love, right? Jeremiah 31, 3 was the verse I quoted a moment ago. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And are you worthy of it? No. Not always. And you, and you never did anything to deserve his love. You may have done some amazing things for God, but that's not why he loves you. He loves you because he created you in his image. And he put his spirit in you, and he loves you. Because he loves us, we should love God. Second this morning. God loves us, and the second point, if there are points, would be that we should love God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. To love God. We were created by God in his image, and he loves us. And we were created in turn to love him back. And, and if you've ever been in relationship with anyone which means all of us, we, we begin to know what love is. When you love someone, you please them. You do things. You go out of your way to show your care. You're thoughtful about the things that offend them, and you, and you don't do them as much. And you work at not doing them at all. Some of you men after getting married, actually learned where the hamper was. Because before that day, your underwear were on the floor every day. And they finally found their way in. Some of you, some of you men learned to put the seat down in the middle of the night. First, I hope you learned to lift it up. And then hopefully you learned to s- put it back down. 
Why? Because in the middle of the night, you don't want your wife to sit on a cold, yucky porcelain ring. <laughs> Why? You love her. We do things, silly things, little things, big things. Because we love. 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. How is your love relationship going with God? Is there enough evidence in your life that you love God? If somebody say, well, hey, hey, how can you tell if somebody loves their child? We could come up with lists. Oh, well, you know, they do this and that and their they're, they're games and, and they, they talk nice to them and they encourage them. We could come up with some wonderful lists about how do you tell if a parent loves his kid? How do you tell if, if a, a husband loves a wife, if a lo- wife loves a husband? We can come up with lists of, of what that would look like. Well, there's, well, how about the list for if, what does it look like if you love God? Don't, don't let it go so far out of the, the sphere of, of we have a relationship with God like I need to have a relationship with my wife and my kids. It should be tangible. It shouldn't just be this thing. Oh, yeah, I love God. I just do everything the way I want to, and I never consider him in any equation. Now, I know people who've done their marriage that way, and they, they usually end. Unfortunately, sometimes they haven't, and they... You know, uh, you, you can't, you can't li- live like that. We need to love God. Ephesians chapter 2. I didn't write the verse, so I'm just going to read it off my notes. Ephesians 2, it says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You know, we, we shouldn't be told that we need to love God. Um, but sometimes it's good to hear it. Sometimes we need to be reminded. Love God. So this morning, so far we need to, if you're taking notes, you might write to yourself, do I know, do I understand that God loves me? God, help me to see all the ways that you love me. Help me to know that I am lovable because you are lovable. Even if you're grumpy, even if you're not always agreeable, you're lovable. God loves you. The second one is, do I love God? Am I loving God the way I should? The Bible is, tells us what pleases him and the way we should live. How are we doing? The third part, and this is where it comes real strong in, in this season. God's love for us and our love for God compels us to love one another. And this is the season of brotherly love. Christmas is a, is a wonderful season you know, uh, unfortunately, every year somebody gets trampled trying to buy a TV from Walmart. And, and in, in moments like that, it doesn't seem like we love, but, but there's a lot of moments that we're going to see and experience people loving one another because we understand that, that this season is about love. So the season we want to 
be compelled, we're compelled to love one another. How can we love each other this, this season? Let's, let's come up with some creative ways to love one another. Um, there's different, different groups who um, fast for, for uh, Advent and parts of um, December, all of December. Some people fast their um, delicacies, meat, and things. Often it's, it's to get close to God, but it's also to take whatever finances might have uh, be not be being spent in that. Let's say you say, you know what, I'm not going to go to Starbucks at all during, during Christmas. Well, for some of you, some of you that could be, you know, five bucks a day every day. That's 150 bucks a month. Some people have a $150 a month Starbucks habit. Say, I'm not going to do that this month. And I'm going to take that money and I'm going to buy a meal for a family. Buy some gifts for some the kids down the street whose parents don't have a lot of money. We're thinking about others. We want to be thinking about how we can serve somebody else. This morning in prayer, we, we prayed that everyone here would feel loved this morning. I hope it happened. I hope that nobody walked through the doors without being greeted and cared for and loved. I hope that nobody is is isolated from our family, from our church during Christmas or any time. We want to love one another. We want to care for them. This week, as the men's ministry is, is, is growing, uh, some of the men got together and, and put windows into Mike and Mona's house at their mobile home. Seven guys, yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They went over and and, and and seven of them, so they got it done in like four hours or so. And it was going to probably take a couple of them just all day. And, and they showed love. How can you show love to somebody who's struggling? Who's, you know, this is a time for, for phone calls and visiting and, and, and showing your love and then also bringing the love of God. It's a time to listen. How are your listening skills going? Let's, let's be listening to one another and and hearing their heart, looking for the signs that maybe things aren't going well, even the, the signs of, of maybe something that you could help with. We want to bring care. Of course, we want to pray for people. Prayer is, is so incredibly important, but I want to, I, I do want to warn us, you, don't just stay home and pray for people. Let your prayers have some action too your prayers have some action and if you can't get out of the house a phone call love people somehow but pray for them pray that God would be with them and bless them and, and we all have miracle prayers I want to share a, a, a very specific miracle prayer that happened uh, in, in my life when I was just a teenager I used to go and pray I'd go up to Baldwin Mine or, or the place above and those uh, streets above the village and look out and we'd pray um, a couple times a week usually but on Sunday mornings we'd get up and go pray at 6 a.m. before church and we'd, then we'd come to church and there was one Sunday morning that we were up there and one of the guys who was with us sometimes had backslidden and he, was, he wasn't in the faith I mean he was in the faith but he was way far away from God he was partying and getting drunk and, and he was doing some stuff and he was a real rowdy guy and um, kind of you know kind of bold and and uh, he'd come by and flaunt his sin to me at work. He'd come and just tell me about everything he was doing bad when he was backslidden. 
So one morning we're up there, we're praying. And we just began to pray. And I says, Lord, I pray that you would wrap. I said, Lord, wake up Steve right now and wrap your arms of love around him and don't let him go. A couple days later, he comes in and he's all kind of walking. He walked kind of, kind of, he walks in and he, he goes, were you praying for me the other day? And he's mad. I'm thinking, uh, this, is, this is absolutely truth. Were you praying for me the other day? I'm like, whoa, man. And I'm like, yeah, we were praying for him a lot. So he said, I went out and got drunk on Saturday night and was up until like three in the morning drinking. And at six in the morning, I woke up. Well, that was Sunday morning. The same time we were praying, he says, at six in the morning, he says, I woke up and I was singing that song from Amy Grant, you know, Arms of Love. And I couldn't stop singing that song all day. And then he softened and he said, I've come back to the Lord. Your prayers are important and they're powerful. They're powerful. Pray for people. Pray with people. Take the time. This is a tough one. When somebody says, will you pray for me? Just real quick say, yeah, I, I will, but I'm going to pray with you right now too. And just pray for them. And, 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 you know, I always try to give you an out. I understand praying might be difficult. So here, you can even do it like this. Listen, I want to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray silently. But can I hold your hand? And just pray. Just pray silently. When you're done, say amen and be done. Pray not just for people. Pray with people. And another way you can love somebody this holiday season, you know, serve them, you know, sacrifice for them, listen and care for them, pray for them, pray with them, share the love of Jesus. Share the love of Jesus with people. And I didn't say the rules of Jesus or the condemnation of Jesus, but share the love of Jesus. You know, God loves you so much. I heard this message at church about how much God loves me, and he loves you too. And I just want to tell you of all the gifts that you might receive this year, I, I pray that you can understand the love of God that he has for you, that he, he gave his son, so you can have life. That's love. We know the Bible speaks of love cover to cover. If you want some more understanding and definitions of things that you can put into practice, read 1 Corinthians 13. Work on, on being patient and kind with people. Let's work on our love. Understanding his love for us. Loving God. And then loving one another as we look for the hope of his return. We love him and love one another, receiving his peace and walking in joy. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful for this season. The coming of Jesus, Advent. I pray that this season we would focus on the Christ in Christ that we would understand your love for us your gifts to us that we might give to others and give to you that we would love you and love our neighbors ourselves 
We pray that you'll be with the lonely, the discouraged, the infirm. And I pray that you'll be with them through us, that we will visit people and love people. Let us be your hands and feet. God, we want to focus on you. We thank you for coming. We thank you that you're coming again. Help us to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.